Hello and welcome to episode number 32 of the Random Thoughts Podcast. That's R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. On today's show, we're going to be talking about Kate Smith. The show could easily be titled Political Correctness, Virtue Signaling, a lot of things in that vein, because the world is continuing to go insane. And doing research for this show, I went down a rabbit hole. And it went in a complete different direction. And I am intrigued by the way the world is reacting to this and just how stupid some people are. I know the stupidity of people should no longer surprise me, but it does. On our last episode, Art is Dead, we talked about the fact that the Chicago Cubs on opening day had a piece of artwork up in their press box from 1945, I believe it was. And the line, from the 1945 press badge said no women allowed. And of course, the world went apeshit. And the Cubs immediately, within an hour and 15 minutes or something crazy like that, <laughs> took the piece of artwork down and put up something else in its place because, you know, we can't offend people with things that happened in the 1940s. Well, this week, today, actually, as we're recording this, the big hubbub all around the internet is about Kate Smith. And her, her song, the God Bless America, has been played at Yankee Stadium in the seventh inning in every game since September 11th of 2001. That's being stopped now due to a controversy surrounding Kate Smith's singing of a couple different songs, making her racist. Let me read to you what the Yankees put out on this. The Yankees have become aware of a recording that has been previously unknown to us and decided to immediately and carefully review this new information. The Yankees take social, racial, and cultural insensitivities very seriously. While no final conclusions have been made, we are erring on the side of sensitivity. The Yankees are such a sensitive group of guys. I can, I can see that just right off the very on the whole prima facie of the whole thing, the Yankees are just so very, very sensitive. You ever been to a game at Yankee Stadium? I was an old Yankee Stadium. Yankee fans have always been known as being just the most kind and sensitive people, but I digress on that. The Philadelphia Flyers, who also have a Kate Smith connection, maybe even a larger one than the New York Yankees, because they actually have a statue of Kate Smith in front of the arena where the Philadelphia Flyers play. She sang God Bless America there in person many times in her life, including before Stanley Cup games. But the Philadelphia Flyers, they didn't want to be outdone by the New York Yankees. So this was great. The coverage of this is absolutely fantastic. The statue out front of Kate Smith has been covered with a black tarp and tied down with like duct tape and stuff because it's a windy day in Philadelphia. So it's just very, it was a very strange visual to actually see that they went out and covered up the statue because this had to be done. They had to go cover the statue. They said, well, you know, we don't want it to be vandalized. So, I mean, maybe from both sides, they were trying to cover their bases on that one. But let me read to you the statement put out by the Philadelphia Flyers on this offensive past of Kate Smith. We have recently become aware that several songs performed by Kate Smith contain offensive lyrics 
that do not reflect our values as an organization, the team said. As we continue to look into this serious matter, we are removing Kate Smith's recording of God Bless America from our library and covering up the statue that stands outside of our arena. Can anybody say virtue signaling? Yay, virtue signaling! On the part of two major sports franchises, the New York Yankees and the Philadelphia Flyers. What are these offensive songs that they're talking about? Well, I did research and I hate to do research, let me tell you. But I looked into these things. And what is being named are two different songs. The first was recorded by Kate Smith in 1931. And this is the main song that they are pointing to as being offensive. And the title might lead you to believe that it is because the title is That's Why Darkies Are Born. So in this culture, we understand that's going to trigger people. But we're going to take a little bit of a deeper look into that song in a minute. A second song called Pickaninny Heaven is also being called on its introduction and because of what they're calling racist language. And we're going to look into that a little bit more as well and figure out, are these songs that caused this, again, knee-jerk reaction. I have talked about this before. I can't stand knee-jerk reactions to things. I don't know what's so hard about doing a little bit of research because I'm just an idiot that can sit down at a computer and find out this information within a couple of hours of reading and going down a few different rabbit holes. But are these songs racist? We're going to delve into that in a moment and let you know if these songs that they are talking about really should be offending people in today's society. But here, let me ask this question first, because this was the first rabbit hole that I went down, because I had heard the name mainly associated with God Bless America and because of the fact that they played this at Yankee Stadium every seventh inning since September 11th, 2001. But who was Kate Smith? She has passed away, so she's no longer with us. But she was one of the biggest stars of her time. She literally dominated radio, television, movies. She was a huge star, and that is not trying to make light of her weight because she was a big lady, but she was a huge star in every sense of the word. Kate Smith was huge. I mean, she was the Beyonce of her day. I mean, she is as big as it could possibly get. For a long time, she was the highest paid radio performer, which then translates to today's again, the mega stars of today. That was what Kate Smith was to her time period. She was featured on a 44 cent U.S. postage stamp in 2010. These are some of the honors that she had gotten. She received a Living Legacy Award from the Women's International Center in 1985. She was inducted posthumously into the Radio Hall of Fame in 1999. She won a Grammy Award for Best Gospel Album in 1966. She was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by President Ronald Reagan in 1982. She's the only private citizen that has ever been awarded the Legion of Valor Medal. Of her more than 2,000 recordings, 19 sold more than a million copies. During World War II, she sold more war bonds than anybody else. $600 million worth of war bonds 
as she entertained the troops going throughout the country with her traveling show. In 1939, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt introduced her to King George VI of England by saying, This is Kate Smith. Miss Smith is America. I mean, this just sounds like a totally horrible racist person, right? I mean, you listen to these accolades that she received in her life, and you could just, it screams out that this must just be a horribly, horribly racist person who had no value whatsoever. I mean, FDR just calling her, you know, saying that she is America. I mean, that's nothing. Ronald Reagan giving her the Presidential Medal of Freedom, Women's International Center giving her awards. I mean, nothing, none of this. This all just says to me, she must really be a bad, horrible person. But maybe all of these people that gave her awards and all these accolades, maybe they were just morons. Maybe they were stupid. Maybe they missed something, didn't know she was a raving racist or something like that. So let's look at these two songs that they're talking about. Let's start with this one that just has to be a horrible song called That's Why Darkies Are Born. Let me read the lyrics for you. Brothers, sisters, when the world began, there was work to be done, and it seems that someone left it to the colored man. Brothers, sisters, what must be must be. Though the balance is wrong, still your faith must be strong. Accept your destiny. Brothers, listen to me. Someone had to pick the cotton. Someone had to pick the corn. Someone had to slave and be able to sing. That's why darkies were born. Someone had to laugh at trouble, though he was tired and worn. Had to be contended with any old thing. That's why darkies were born. Sing, sing, sing when you're weary and sing when you're blue. Sing, sing, that's what you taught all the white folks to do. Someone had to fight the devil. Shout about Gabriel's horn. Someone had to stoke the train that would bring God's children to green pastures. That's why darkies were born. The song was satire. The song was anti-slavery. I understand there's words being used that are not accepted today, but that does not change the meaning of the song. And if you're a songwriter, you know everything leads up to that final verse. The song is building. And this really does go along the lines of the spirituals at the time. You go down the, you know, these lyrics until you get to that final verse. And if this doesn't tell you what the song's about, if this doesn't hit home, when the lyrics say someone had to fight the devil and shout about Gabriel's horn, someone had to stoke the train that would bring God's children to green pastures. That's why darkies were born. This is talking about something positive. This is not a song that is pro-slavery. This is not a song that is racist. And if you don't believe me, I mean, that's fine. But the song was actually recorded by someone else, a guy named Paul Robeson, a black man and son of a runaway slave. I'm, but I'm sure 
if this was really a racist song, we would have a black man who was the son of a runaway slave singing it, right? I, I'm, the logic is starting to fail me at this point if this is a racist song. Because if Kate Smith is a racist and we have to cut all ties with her and the Yankees and, and Flyers, she's such a racist because she sang this song. But then there's a black man named Paul Robeson who sang the song, Son of a Runaway Slave. Uh, and he was the guy that, if the most memorable recording of Old Man River, if you ever heard the song, the guy with the really deep voice, that's Paul Robeson. And here's a clip of him singing that song that people are using to label Kate Smith as a racist. That's Paul Robeson singing the song, a black man, son of a runaway slave, that we're using to label Kate Smith as a racist. And uh, we'll play a little more of the song for you here. I wanted to break it up because I believe these are still under copyright laws and we're using it fair use because we're commenting on this. We're using it for its historical purposes and to comment on a news story. So let me play more of this song for you right now. of Paul Robeson is an intriguing one. And this is the rabbit hole that I really went down looking into these things for this episode. Paul Robeson was a communist. 
He was a vocal critic of lynching, police brutality, the disenfranchisement of black people. He was probably the most outspoken black man in the country at his time. This wasn't a guy that was on the fringe. He was one of the most vocal proponents of the civil rights movement. So if singing this song makes you a racist against African-Americans, then Paul Robeson must also be racist. And I'm, I'm having a real problem putting that logic together. And I, was, I had no idea there was a connection between Paul Robeson and Major League Baseball. And this is, again, where the rabbit holes start getting interesting, because Jackie Robinson was actually called to testify in front of Congress, in front of the House Un-American Activities Committee in July of 1949, about a statement that Robeson had allegedly made in April uh, before a Soviet-sponsored World Peace Congress in Paris. So there's a connection here now between Major League Baseball. You know, the Yankees here are saying we can't have Kate Smith play it anymore because she's obviously such a racist, although the same song was also recorded by Paul Robeson, who Jackie Robinson was called before the House Committee to talk about what Paul Robeson had said. It's, it's really it's something that there, it's way too complex for us to cover everything in this short form podcast. And it's probably the first thing that I'm going to recommend people. If you really want to get into this stuff, there's a lot you can read about this and really dive into. Uh, But before Robeson even began his speech in Paris, an Associated Press writer filed a story that quoted him as saying, it is unthinkable that American Negroes would go to war on behalf of those who have oppressed us for generations against the Soviet Union which in one generation has raised our people to the full dignity of mankind. Completely incendiary quote at the time. I mean, remember, this is the time of the Red Scare and the communist hunts and McCarthyism and the crazy things that happened in the United States back at that point. So for somebody to dare say these kind of things was not like today. I mean, today we have, I think, five communists, outright communists, that were elected to be Chicago city officials. So, you know, we're living in a completely different time now. And I understand that. Although the Yankees, I don't think understand. And the flyers don't seem to understand that we are living in a different time now. So things were maybe a little bit different than they were in 1931 when a song was recorded. Interesting about the Robeson quote though, was that he claimed he was misquoted. I mean, fake news, get it. The press got it wrong, perhaps. I mean, I don't know. I wasn't there. And unfortunately for Paul Robeson, he lived in a time where not everything you say was caught on audio or video. So you had to rely on the press. And we all know how great the press is. You had to rely on the press to get things right. And they could really do some damage because all you could say was, I was misquoted. You didn't have any proof. Where now I would kind of guarantee that anybody in the public eye that is doing an interview with anybody probably has their own recorder running. So if they're misquoted, they can go ahead. Nope. Here, I got a copy. I got a copy of exactly what I said. They are completely taking me out of context or they're completely twisting my words. But he claimed that he had simply talked about 
the fact that many Americans didn't want a World War III against the Soviet Union, and that was obviously the case, but he was branded a traitor. And Jackie Robinson being, I guess, the big black star at the time in the United States, was called on to testify before this committee. And it's, it's a scary, it's a scary thing that there was a committee on un-American activities and you're being called before them to talk about other people. This is really, if you don't think we've come a long way, or maybe we haven't, I don't know, because the new thing is, do you deny global warming? So maybe things haven't gotten all that much different. Jackie Robinson being called to testify before this committee, it put him in a very weird and awkward position. Again, red scare. We know how testifying it could, if he didn't testify, you were going to be pointed to as you're hiding something, and this could have ruined his career. This could have ruined his life because why wouldn't you want to come talk in front of Congress? I mean, I'd feel really comfortable, wouldn't you? Congress, you got to trust they're going to, they're good people. They're not trying to screw with you or anything. So being called in front of them, especially at this time in our history, was not a good thing. Jackie Robinson, up until this point, really wasn't vocal. His quote to Branch Rickey, who owned the Dodgers, who is the one that brought Jackie Robinson into baseball, he told Branch Rickey, I'm a baseball player. I'm not a politician. I'm not a spokesman. And Branch Rickey told him, yeah, I understand that, but this could help cement your legacy, and this can do a lot for the plight of the African-American in America, because people looked up to Jackie Robinson, and he decided that he was going to go and he was going to testify, because not testifying, you, he could have done that, but the repercussions for that were probably way greater than going and saying something they didn't like. Because basically, the guy that was running, the chairman of this, this committee, of the House Un-American Activities Committee named John S. Wood, Jackie Robinson would later write that he believed he just wanted to pit him against Robeson and advance the idea that anyone who spoke out against racial discrimination and segregation was just a tool of world communism. Robinson also understood that any criticism of Robeson could hurt him immensely in his popularity with African Americans because Robeson was a hero. I mean, so greatly different political viewpoints between Robinson and Robeson, but they had common causes in ending segregation and fighting discrimination. Jackie Robinson used his time before the committee to contest racism and segregation and kind of skated the issue in a way that would make any politician today quite proud because we all know when a politician is asked a question, the answer usually has almost nothing to do with the original question and just makes a point that they're trying to make. And when he did testify, Jackie Robinson said that if Mr. Robeson had actually made the comments that were being attributed to him, that black Americans would not fight in a war against the Soviets if such a war happened, he deemed that such a statement just seemed rather silly to him. And it kind of was. I mean, this was the witch hunts that were going on at that time. There are still witch hunts going on in politics today. There is no doubt about it. 
I'm going to read to you a little bit of what Jackie Robinson said on that day. I looked for audio of this. It doesn't seem to exist. And the part of the audio that does still seem to exist is very hard to understand. So let me read this to you. These are the words of Jackie Robinson as he spoke before this committee of un-American matters. White people must realize that the more a Negro hates communism because it opposes democracy, the more he is going to hate any other influence that kills off democracy in this country. That goes for racial discrimination in the army, segregation on trains and buses, and job discrimination because of religious beliefs or color or place of birth. The one thing the American public ought to understand if we are to make progress in this matter. The fact that it is a communist who denounces injustice in the courts, police brutality, and lynching when it happens doesn't change the truth of his charges. Just because communists kick up a big fuss over racial discrimination when it suits their purposes, a lot of people try to pretend that the whole issue is a creation of communist imagination. But they are not fooling anyone with this kind of pretense. The talk about communists stirring up Negroes to protest only makes present misunderstanding worse than ever. Negroes were stirred up long before there was a communist party, and they'll stay stirred up long after the party has disappeared, unless Jim Crow has disappeared by then as well. These are strong, yet simple words from a guy that didn't consider himself in the political forum, a guy that considered himself nothing more than a baseball player, an athlete. The point that he's making here is one that I think is still very relevant today. We're seeing this on a daily basis now. When Jackie Robinson says, just because a communist says these things when it comes to police brutality, lynching, injustices, doesn't mean they're not real. They try to make you think that because it was this party that said it, this group of people that said it, that it's that it's all just untrue. This is exactly what's going on between the Republicans and Democrats, the left and the right and the in America yet today. Anything that Trump says, it's a lie. It can't be true. If he says it, we all must go in the other direction. And you try to tie all of these things together. There should be some things that everybody can agree on no matter what the religion or political party is. And Jackie Robinson very eloquently here made that case that, hey, sometimes the communists even have a point. It doesn't mean they're always wrong. I'm not saying you have to want to be a communist or you have to believe in what they do, but understand that just being one thing, being a communist, being a conservative, being whatever, doesn't automatically make everything right or everything wrong. About a month after Jackie Robinson appeared before the House committee, Robeson was scheduled to perform at a civil rights benefit concert in Peekskill, New York. A mob of angry white veterans set up roadblocks. They smashed cars, buses. They smashed the stage. They burned crosses and Robeson in effigy. They put a few dozen of Robeson's fans in the hospital. It wasn't a good situation. Robeson did escape unharmed. On reading an article about this, Jackie Robinson solemnly looked up after a reporter gave him the article, showed him the article. Robinson looked up and said, 
Paul Robeson should have the right to sing, speak, or do anything he wants to. They say here in America, you're allowed to be whatever you want. If Robeson wanted to believe in communism, that's his right. God bless Jackie Robinson. That's all I can say right there. And he's making a point that I find so ironic that here we are today with one of the most iconic Major League Baseball franchises pulling a song from an artist due to a song that was recorded in 1931 that they claim to be racist, even though the song was also recorded by Paul Robeson, civil rights activist, son of a runaway slave. Yeah, that all just doesn't make sense to me. And to put things into just a little better context, New York Yankees, you virtue signaling dicks, Major League Baseball did not allow a black player until Jackie Robinson. We talked about that. That was in April of 1947. It was eight years after that that the Yankees finally had a black player. Hey, hey, keep virtue signaling, Yankees. Get rid of this song by Kate Smith. Why don't you look into your own history? This is absolutely ridiculous stuff. But, you know, maybe, maybe I'm just crazy. Maybe I'm missing something here. Maybe there's something in the second song called Pickaninny Heaven. Maybe this is where it is. I don't know. Let's, let's take a listen to a clip of Pickaninny Heaven. And now, folks, I'm going to sing this next song for a lot of little colored children who are listening in at an orphanage in New York City. Here you are, kids. I mean, this is some obvious. This is some obvious proof here. We have audio proof. And if you couldn't hear, I know the audio is not great. She says, and now, folks, I'm going to sing this next song for a lot of little colored children who are listening in in an orphanage in New York City. Here you are, kids. I mean, this is just horrible and racist. Um, And the people that are talking about this, like this was her. I mean, it was her, but it was in a movie. That's right. What the lines you just heard in the song that follows were in a movie. So this little introduction was in a movie being spoken as a character. So if we're going to consider a real life person to be racist for something that any of their characters have said in a movie, man, I'm going to have a long list of racists to come out with. And God bless America. Most of them are lefty liberal scumbags. <laughs> I mean, imagine that list if we really are going to go down that rabbit hole and start pulling out quotes from people that are actors and actresses that have said racist things in movies. I mean, this is what our reality is, though, today. It's sad. It really is sad if it wasn't absolutely true and it wasn't happening. I mean, I'll be the first to admit that this song is horrible, but the lyrics, little pickaninnies, listen to the tale of a place that I know. It's twice as high as the moon. You get there in a balloon. Haven't you been told of the place where all the good little pickaninnies go? I've just been there, so I ought to know. Great big watermelons roll around and get in your way. Luscious pork chop bushes bloom right outside your door in a pickaninny's heaven. Before we get into the term pickaninny, which is what people are pointing to in this case as being racist, there are some other things in the song, some other references. You know, obviously saying watermelon has always got to be racist and aimed at one in particular ethnic group or pork chops. I don't know. I can tell you one thing as an Irish guy, 
I would much rather sit down with watermelon, fried chicken, barbecued ribs than beer and whiskey. So I maybe I'm stupid or potatoes. I mean, I'm not a big fan of potatoes. So, I mean, if you had to have a stereotype, if you want to stereotype me, and I don't think anybody should be stereotyped, but if you're going to stereotype me, I like fried chicken, watermelon, barbecued ribs. I guess that's just me. But since just the mention of foods is kind of a stretch even today when it comes down to what is racist, let's look at the term piccaninny. The Oxford English Dictionary quotes an example from 1653 of the word piccaninning being used to describe a child. Well, that's what she's talking about in this here song. It says on Wikipedia, I know I was lazy. This is why I did the research on piccaninny. Uh, Wikipedia says it may also have been used in early African-American vernacular to indicate anything that is small, not necessarily a child. In a column in the Times of 1788, allegedly reporting a legal case in Philadelphia, a slave is charged with dishonestly handling goods he knows to be stolen and which he describes as insignificant, saying, quote, only a piccaninny corkscrew and piccaninny knife. So they're talking here that the word's been used, just meaning something small. But this also proves back in 1788, there was already use of the word piccaninny in the African-American vernacular. So is the word race? I mean, again, everybody, I guess you, everybody gets to choose what they think is racist and what they think is not. But in the case of this particular term, this was Kate Smith performing as a different character in a movie in 1933. I believe this was from where the other song was from 1931. Definitely a much different time than we're living in today. Of Piccaninny, Wikipedia goes on to say that many old lullabies have the word Piccaninny in them, used as an affectionate term for babies, which is often interchangeable with the child's name. Scott Joplin, that well-known racist, I mean, now another African-American, wrote the music for a 1902 song with lyrics by Henry Jackson called I Am Thinking of My Piccaninny Days. I mean, so, I mean, again, obviously Scott Joplin must be a racist, just like uh, Paul Robeson, because they were connected to songs with the lyrics that have piccaninny and Robeson recorded that other song that Kate Smith did. Uh, Oh, yeah. And by the way, Stephen King in a novel, It, one of the voices in the guy's head was named Piccaninny Jim. So I guess uh, Stephen King, we better get rid of all of his books, all of his movies, anything with Stephen King, get rid of him because he used that word. Piccaninny, bad, bad. Stephen King, he's bad. Into the second season of Luke Cage on Netflix, multiple Jamaican characters use the term Pickney as a term for child. Huh. I mean, that's like present day this isn't like the 1930s anymore so how, how can this racist stuff be allowed to happen on a netflix series with a african-american lead i mean uh, i'm really confused about this now is kate smith racist i mean if she is then there's a lot of african-american people that are also racist against african-americans too and the list seems to be very very strong and if we're going to go by things like Kate Smith in a movie saying, you know, the colored children. I don't care if she even said that colored when she wasn't, because that was the term of the day. And I would bet you almost every one of those guys in Yankee Stadium center field, I think it's still in center field. That's where it was in the old park. 
where they have their Hall of Fame with Babe Ruth and Mickey Mantle and all these other Yankee greats out there. I mean, if we're going to start stripping people from society, if we're going to start stripping their history away and covering up statues, then I bet you a lot of those guys are going to have to go away too. I'm going to have to start doing my homework, Yankees, because I want to make sure that you're going to be using the same logic and you're going to be using the same criteria when it comes to all of those Yankee greats as you have with Kate Smith. The bottom line here is between the New York Yankees and Philadelphia Flyers, we have two major sports franchises that are spewing virtue signaling in the most disgusting way and getting their facts absolutely positively wrong. We have Major League Baseball that has a player base that is about 7% African American. We have the NHL, which has about a <laughs> almost a 0% African American rate among their players. So maybe, just maybe these teams and these leagues want to look in the mirror to find out where the real racial problems are than looking at things that happened in a 1933 movie or a 1931 song that was satire, that was anti-racist, that was also covered by a guy who was black and the son of a runaway slave and also the one of the biggest civil rights activists of the time. Because I know usually civil rights activists, they're the ones singing the racist songs. But I digress. I should be leaving all of this ranting for my new podcast that I'm doing with Ryan Bemrose called Grumpy Old Benz. You can find it at grumpyoldbenz.com, where we do a lot of ranting and raving. Two old guys yelling at the sky. That's pretty much us. But I think I did a pretty good job of that here today, covering an issue that took me down a rabbit hole. It took me in surprising areas, and it taught me a lot of history that I didn't really know before. And I think I'm better for it. And I hope you are, too. I hope you're enjoying what you're hearing on the Random Thoughts podcast. If you do, do me a huge favor, subscribe to the show, tell a friend about it. You can follow me on Twitter at random, R-A-N-D-U-M-B podcast, or my personal account, Darren O'Neill at D-A-R-R-E-N-O-N-E-I-L-L. Reach out and send me an email if you would like at randomthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you hate. Tell me what you'd like to hear more of. I'm going to leave you with a quote from Kate Smith who said, an entertainer should, in his public performance, keep himself out of any controversy, political or otherwise. Kate, sorry for the way the world is today. Uh, you, you didn't quite make it, I guess. After death, you're causing more controversy than ever. It's just because the world is totally fucked up. Until next time, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening.